0: Welcome to Read This Fucking Book Episode 18, A Madness of Angels. I'm Elena. I'm Rachel. And we are here tonight to talk about the book A Madness of Angels or The Resurrection of Matthew Swift by Kate Griffin. This book um was originally published in April 2009. And it is the first book in the Matthew Swift series. There are four books in the series, plus two standalone novels in the same world that don't feature Matthew Swift as the protagonist. Um, I believe Kate Griffin is the pen name for a young adult writer named Catherine Webb. And just as a fun piece of personal trivia... Uh, this book was the very first book that I reviewed for Boomtron back when I first started writing for them um, the spring this book came out. So I don't know. It's kind of uh, kind of fitting that we're doing it here on the podcast since I met you through that um, connection. So yeah. um, anyway, there's not a whole lot to uh, say about the book. The uh, It's only referenced on Wikipedia as like a note in the urban fantasy <laughs> page. It doesn't have its own page or anything like that um so yeah rachel um why don't you tell me what this book is about all right uh for first
1: note i think that it's a travesty that there isn't a whole kind of genre based on the matthew swift books this book is amazing um but yes, what i'm is this so book glad about? you saw that <laughs> What is this book about? So Matthew Swift is a sorcerer. There is a difference between a sorcerer and a magician, but he is a sorcerer. He works in urban magic. He wakes up one day reborn, recalled from death, and he is... um, Kind of a a co-sponsored being. He's a human, but he's also full of what's called the Electric Blue Angels. And it's the story of him waking up back in London two years after he died with full memory of his previous life and how he died and his kind of um, mini vengeance slash safety story of how he keeps everyone in London safe from the guy that killed him also while taking revenge. And um, as a host and cohabitant of his body with the Blue Electric Angels, it's fucking amazing. It took, I will, like, full disclosure, it took me about 150 pages to get into the book because the writing style mm-hmm. is very dense. But once you get into it, it's fine. You just got to give it a chance. Just keep through. Just keep keep reading. Um, and you will find yourself in a new world with a new outlook about everything around you i'm so happy you made me read this book
0: it's uh you don't great. understand like I, I, we should have we should have turned on video tonight i'm literally sitting here like shaking and like pumping my fists in the air like yes you got it fuck yeah she got how awesome this book is like i it's i have not I've, i think i've managed to make one other friend read this book over the years and like uh In full agreement, I think I warned you about this. Like, that's about how long it took me to get into the book the first time, too. I was just, like, so caught by the premise. I was like, this is really fascinating, and I'm going to stick with it and keep going. Because it wasn't that the writing was bad. It's just really dense, and you don't – you're kind of dropped in in the middle of of a situation, and you don't know a lot about it, and you don't know how much you care for a while. Um, Yeah. So, yeah, like, it it does take some – kind of dedication to get to the the point where you're hooked but like holy shit this like this book literally rewrote the way i look at cities and magical systems and like even honestly the landscape of my own mind like it's one of those books where like i read it and my thoughts are infected with this lens of the world for weeks to months after i finish reading it a hundred percent a hundred percent it's a it's almost
1: like the difference between like when you say high fantasy and like you know regular and like grim fantasy it's like the difference between lord of the rings and uh game of thrones like this Mm -hmm. this is it's not high uh urban fantasy but it's grim Uh, urban fantasy. It's the same level of urban fantasy that you find in the Game of Thrones like um, classical fantasy genre where it's Mm -hmm. real. It's visceral. It's so visceral. Um, It's not like high elves and stuff. It's very much the detritus of everyday modern life. <laughs> um oh my god, yes. But it's so brilliant and the fact that we haven't I haven't heard more about this is a travesty. I'm so grateful that you've introduced me to this book. Um I'm definitely going to recommend it to other people. Uh, awesome. It's, um, it's just amazing.
0: Yeah, um well I like before we get I guess too far into into the discussion of the world cuz I I mean, I jokingly told Rachel, like, I'm not even going to write discussion questions. It's just going to be me reading passages and then ranting about how much I love the world building. But we should at least, like, talk a little bit about the characters and um, the setting. Um, It might be easier to start with the, I think we usually start with the characters, and that's probably easiest anyway. And I, I think it's probably also good to sort of differentiate who are the sort of human characters and then who are the entities that are also characters, but that are not specifically humans um so the the first one is our protagonist matthew swift um who is a sorcerer and i mean the best kind of shorthand for what a an urban sorcerer is or a sorcerer in general is someone who plays with the magic of a place but basically who sees the magic that's intrinsic to the life there for what it is and then plays with it as opposed to like true like spell work or rituals or calling on other powers or things like that. I mean, he does a little bit of all of those things, but it's basically, it's intuitive magic. It's just like, well, this is what's here and what I have to work with. So I'm going to like pull from different things to just do it. Um, which is different. Like we, we do meet other types of magical practitioners. And so you kind of get a sense of how he's different from what other people are doing. Um, and then you also mentioned that he came back with, um, the blue electric angels and they're an entity character and basically they were a power that cr- was created out of the leftover life you know the size breathed into the telephone lines and the the word the last words that you know someone hung up on and just all these little d- detritus is a good word for it of like a digital human life and emotion and information and um so they're kind of like i don't know an other kind of entity being forced into a human body and trying to learn how to actually be human. So they have, like, all this knowledge that they've never actually experienced. And so, I don't know, there's just a really great interplay between who is Matthew and who is the angels and like the the way she writes it is just so seamless where she flips constantly back and forth between the first person plural and first person singular and you can get a sense of when this is Matthew and when this is the angels and but yet they're the same now and I don't know it's complicated
1: <laughs> yeah it's complicated it's a complicated he, relationship he even tells people it's like it's not really it's not really worth separating us we're the same yeah we are one um because you know the blue electric angels are older than him they're as old as telephones mm-hmm. uh, and they've seen a lot because they just kind of constantly cycle the earth look you know through all the phone lines but they're also they're you know they're also Matthew and he's just the one person with the one mm-hmm. goal and the one point of view um, but I what I love is that it took me a while to figure out when we were reading when I was reading this book that the blue electric angels were completely different like sucked out of the telephone lines like it wasn't just like Mm -hmm. a couple of them it was all of them and suddenly Mm -hmm. they disappeared from the phone lines because they were in Matthew so they are they are they're like the Borg like they're they don't exist amongst like they you can't separate them there's just the one um, grouping Uh, and they all you get all or none Uh, and they are Mm -hmm. They're. you know like it's 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 there's a lot of it that is predictable like oh you know they're simple they don't know what it's like to be alive they just want to know they just want to experience to them life is is uh, an experience you know it's not as fleeting because they live longer than humans and they've seen a lot more than mm-hmm. one human lifetime and and all this stuff and yet we're also stuck in this revenge story and from the perspective of one guy who has this one goal who has these this one perspective that influences them and that they are connected in that way uh i i I think this is a beautifully written story and it is it's familiar because it's in our world and yet uh, and yet new and fresh at least for Mm -hmm. me i've never read anything like this in in the in the urban fantasy genre this is, this is so beyond what you, in, what you encounter in the general urban fantasy slash YA urban fantasy genre. This is such a higher level. It's so well written. It's so, it's its own genre. It's very well yeah realized. It's amazing. I, I mean, it took me a while to get into it and you warned me about that and I was fine with it and I just kept reading it. You know, it did take me a month to read this, to read this novel. And I read a little bit at a time. But I did read it amidst the urban <laughs> environment that it's set in, right? Like it's set in London. Yes. I live in New York, but I'm still in the train stations. I'm still on the subway. And I would argue that perhaps my New York subway is far more disgusting than the London version. So I was like in it. Like the rats <laughs> were there with me. The human the human yes. you know excrement was there with me (laughs) like the the bums and the you know the smells and everything was Mm -hmm. real because it was around me as I was reading it was amazing I if you can read it set in New York do it (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm. well I mean the first time I read it I was living in New Orleans and it so it's New Orleans is not a big city the way um, New York is or London is but it is like the like we were definitely living in like New Orleans proper not one of the suburbs and it it has parts of that city that are very like urban environment and the one thing New Orleans does have is an abundance of references to magic it's not simply like that you know there's voodoo practitioners but there's also like a lot of like just a huge pagan element in general in that city and whether you believe it or not it's kind of like skeleton key like style like you don't maybe like totally disbelieve it especially when it's just everywhere and like i remember reading a section of this book and then like walking you know to the park and seeing like some random piece of trash and wondering is that trash or is that a spell like you know it it just it literally or like seeing graffiti you know on the wall of a of a building like is that graffiti or is that you know a message is that a sign like it really did like reshape the way i i looked at the city that i lived in and i don't like this book is what i wish urban fantasy meant like cuz urban fantasy as a genre basically means like our world plus like some kind of magic or monsters like vampires werewolves etc But, like, this is a magic system about, like, the magic of a city. Like, the magic of a place and of masses of humanity, like, living cramped in on top of one another for centuries. And it's just... Oh, it's so good Um, yeah it
1: builds on itself there are boundaries to it and yet you know you don't learn everything in the first book like there's definitely the sense that if you keep reading in this series you're going to learn more and more and Mm -hmm. more about this magic and he goes and he meets new people and different people that have different types of magic as him that are magicians or or different you know types of entities and and it's it's just layered and and endless and yet There are boundaries, Mm -hmm. even if you don't know where the boundaries are. And I think if you're a person who likes reading high fantasy that has magic systems with rules, this is an Mm -hmm. amazing way to get into urban fantasy, um, you know, in a way that doesn't piss you off. Right. That's not just right. (laughs) You know, I and I appreciated that immensely. Uh, It's just yeah, it's a really great story and it's not a very complicated story. I kept waiting for it to get. More and more mm-hmm. complicated, but really the complication of the narrative is just being stuck in Matthew's head, and Matthew yeah. doesn't <laughs> think about anything directly. Right? That's not his. That's not his thing. Everything yeah. is sideways and 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 around and and referenced, and just like a human being. Uh, And Mm so you it takes a very long time to kind of figure out what the fuck is going on and like who people are and what his motives are. But once you get into it, especially once he teams up with the tower or not the tower, but the people fighting the tower. Yeah, it's the very like concerned citizens. Yeah, the concerned <laughs> citizens. It's very like, oh, this is interesting. And there's like kind of a hint to maybe a couple love connections. And he has mm-hmm. friends, and he has his past life, and he has his current life, and he has his mentor, and he has betrayal, and it's like it's very much um, something that I think I would watch on HBO in like five. Years. <gasps> oh yes. Wouldn't, I mean, it would make an amazing, like something on stars or something, you know, Mm -hmm. like, like for people who watch maybe like the magicians, but think it's just a little too teen, um, Mm -hmm that would be like I've read the magician's books and I don't particularly like them but I, I recognize them as, as quality writing I just didn't enjoy the the stories whereas these stories like quality writing quality story quality characters it's very I mean it's it's hard to sell it too because not not a lot happens I don't. Yeah. <laughs> I was trying to. Ex- I was trying to like tell myself, like, okay, well, like, what is this story about? And I'm like, well, he just kind of wakes up after being dead for two years and goes and kills the guy that like is responsible for killing him, and that's it. And I mean, there are more stories, but he. You know, there's other stuff like the thing, you know, more and more of the universe is revealed through his encounters with other people. Like, you know, he sits, Mm -hmm. there's a whole like section where he's like in a pancake house (laughs) and like (laughs) it's crazy, like, okay, you're in a pancake house. This is weird. It feels like I'm watching a sitcom, but like there's stuff happening and he's in this world. Every page is world building. And yeah, Kate Griffin, I I don't know what, I forget what her real name was, what you mentioned, but.
0: Catherine Webb, who I also hadn't like really heard of. oh my god master
1: yeah oh master like Mm -hmm. why have i not heard of her why is she not on every list
0: why yeah why 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 did this book not win like all the fucking awards or at least like get nominated for them i mean an um, amazing
1: quality of the writing is visceral immediate vague uh everything all at once it's it's an incredible book
0: yeah like it 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 really i mean in my opinion it really is and i don't know like read, reading it again it was just like it was just a pure pleasure for me because i was just struck by all of that like how good it is <laughs> it's just like i don't know like why why don't books like this cross my cross my path more often but when they do they're special yeah um like i mean when, I um, think like this I mean, we is... kind of oh go ahead well, I mean, I was just going to try and, you know, bring it back to some of the, the other characters in it just so we can kind of move on um, a little bit. Like one of the, the like aspects of world building as characters, some of the other entities that come up um, are, are basically like uh, almost ideas that have become like a human or that either have a human embodiment that maybe changes, you know, uh, the mantle changes or... Um, it's just like a spirit who can kind of come and go or is like eternally like the same and just goes through, you know, throughout this landscape. But like there's the bag lady and she's not a bag lady. She is the bag lady. She's like the, you know, the patron god of all bag ladies. She is there like the original bag lady, the original homeless crazy woman feeding the pigeons in, you know, uh, a outfit that was pulled from dumpsters. And there's the beggar king and um i forget i forget if we meet anyone else um in this book specifically um the railroad conductor who's almost like at this point a ghost mm-hmm. uh, the 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 god of the lonely traveler you know like and there's others that like maybe get referenced a little bit but we don't actually see on stage but it's like all these like all these gods of an urban environment but like they're they're small gods, I guess, is the way to say it. Or like, if you're using Game of Thrones terms, these would be like the old gods, right. you know, that have kind of shifted their form and like, be, you know, become what they are to suit what humanity has become and what life in these spaces has become. Um, the there's the dragon. Yeah, if that, you're you know, reading
1: N. K. Jemison or Neil Gaiman or any of the people that mm-hmm. are creating creating gods out of out of modern human. Uh, a community like you get the idea that like in this universe you know our normal gods probably exist but at reduced aspects whereas the, mm-hmm. as the internet grows and you know and communication grows and transportation grows and money grows and like all the things that run modern humanity
0: those are the gods with the most power mm-hmm. the most influence exactly um, and like the blue electric angels are kind of an example of that, like whether it's it's arguable whether you could call them a god or not, but they, um, they're definitely an entity, you know, they're one of those powers and who knows like how much their power would have grown had they not been pulled into, like the human world as Matthew. Um, and instead, you kind of get this interesting moment where it's like, there's probably a new set of electric angels being born right now in the absence of of you know that they left behind when they got summoned and (laughs) so i don't know it's just it's just it's endlessly rich
1: like i cannot believe i've never heard of these books before like i it's like i'm angry about it but they're so (laughs) good uh i'm trying to think of I mean obviously if you live in an urban se- in an urban setting or even in like a halfway urban setting I highly recommend them but even if you don't there's reference to the fact that there's probably like a rural version of all of this um mm-hmm. and I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if further books kind of more explore that uh, a little bit more um but Matthew is kind of like this normal guy he's very like he's not like hot or anything this is not yeah, your Dave-
0: typical David, urban fantasy David Tennant is a is is the, the actor in my head that I cast to play him
1: oh really like, I was thinking of somebody yeah. sh- much shorter and much doughier um <laughs> you know I,
0: but, I guess I'm going with like the whole he's a little like pigeon of a of a guy like he gets called a pigeon a couple times so I, I uh-huh. equate that to being like kind of just wiry and you know having that sort of air of, of nervousness um yeah I think I'm thinking of the right doctor who when I say David Tennant I'm um, yeah yeah
1: no yeah 10 uh he i yeah no i mean i could i could see it totally i could see that i was thinking of someone a little bit more like normal looking like i was thinking of like various actors from like the office or Mm. uh you know like people who weren't necessarily as attractive as i find david Tennant to be um but you know yeah like i don't know it's it is very weird because you you think also in this world you know you don't explore everything. So to me,
0: like memes must be real. They must be entities
1: of some kind. Oh, um, holy shit,
0: dude! I think this book might have written before, like been written before, like memes were truly a thing. Uh-huh. Like. That's possible, but like the "this is fine" meme or anything,
1: like or like the, you know, like any of like the bigger memes that you see constantly. I'm like, that's definitely alive. That's alive, and it exists. Yeah, and it has like in point this for world, you. that would
0: literally be a prayer. That would be an invocation that uh-huh. you're making. Like I'm sitting here. This is fine. Everything's yep. fine. Everything's <laughs> like fine. you're pra- and you're praying to that God to make it actually fine. Yeah. Um, Like when you do that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And like there's so many, there's so many kind of twists and turns. He meets a lot of people in weird ways, and the way that he interacts with people is not the way that I expected him to and he and like you know he trusts people that he shouldn't trust and he travels with people that he probably shouldn't travel with and and even when he goes back to like the big like kind of person that I was like oh this is the love interest this is it I've been waiting for this mm-hmm. the whole book and like then it, it everything shifts and everything it does not go the way that I thought it would uh it's yeah it's just like a, a very well written I I kept thinking I kept comparing it Weirdly, to J.V. Jones. So if you are into high fantasy stuff like Game of Thrones, like, like high fantasy with a grim um, aspect, like, and I always recommend J.V. Jones because she's amazing. Female author, writing the kind of dense literary fantasy that I love to read. This is the same except urban, you know? It's not... It's not set in like a deep dark past or another an alternate past. It's now. It's happening. It's real. It could. It, it's on the internet. It's in my computer. It's in my phone, um, mm-hmm. and it's literary. It's beautiful. It's poetic. I mean, like the the writing style is really, I, at least fifty percent of the of the draw.
0: Hmm. Oh yeah. Like um. Um. I mean, here, here's like I, I highlighted a, like a dozen things to read. Here's a quick paragraph that kind of gives an example of the poeticism of it. This is, um, this is the angels talking. How can you bear to understand that you will get old and lose this feeling? Will die and wither and encounter nothing but dark? How can you bear it? Since we came here, we've been entirely fearful, snatched from our safe, comforting bliss of scattered feeling. But we would not die and leave this amazing place for any price. It is the closest thing to sacred we have ever seen, and I mean that's just like one you know little paragraph of dialogue, and like there's a whole you know book of descriptions and um I don't know um uh, just just wonderful like sensory descriptions and also like um it also weird like mental mapping because like. I Mm know you just you you kind of you're able to sink into matthew's thoughts and so if his thoughts like sink away you know to somewhere else yours kind of do too um and so he's um but there's a definite like there's a definite runway
1: of you having to learn to read mm -hmm. these books like yes and i appreciate that you know i've put you through cj cherry like i've 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 asked you to read books that are not necessarily easy to pick up. Um and I think that putting the time in to learn the vocabulary, to learn the the cadence of a great author like Kate mm-hmm. Griffin like it's worth it because then you now have the key to a kingdom of amazing story, and like the story's not too complicated at least not yet. I assume maybe it gets more complicated with the future books but it's it's worth it for the visceralness for the for the detail for how it reframes your life your actual life like you know like we all know like my iphone is listening to me right now right like it's going to show me an ad tomorrow that has something to do with what i said today and to me that's Mm -hmm. the blue electric angels like it's learning Mm -hmm. from me it's in there it's in my phone um and it's like a weird it's a weird thing right because it's very much like in the vein of artificial intelligence but also not because it's the fantasy side Mm -hmm. I think this is a really unique uh take on yeah. on the genre. Yeah. Well here
0: here's here's another passage I'm just kind of just kinda flipping through things I'd marked. Um and this is like actually him talking about the other side. And um so he's he goes out to um a a, a care home it's quote towards the green belt and its countryside. Even here the taste of the air was different, not as sharp and strong as in the city, but hinting at that other magic, the strange magic that so few people understood these days, that of places beyond the city, the slower, sluggish, calm magic of the trees and the fields that had, once upon a time, burnt as brightly as the neon power through which I now wandered. There were still some left who could harness it as it had once been used druids and the odd magician out in the countryside who summoned vines instead of barbed wire from the earth but they were few in number and generally didn't talk to their urban counterparts whose magic they regarded as a corruption rather than an evolution of the natural order of things it was a debate I kept well out of and I mean like I loved that because that's just like a tiny little you know taste of maybe what the country magic is but like uh, my ass is planted out here in the middle of butt fucking nowhere I live out in the country now (laughs) So it was it was really interesting for me to 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 read this book again not in an urban environment and yet still be so affected by it and find myself thinking well like what what are the magics around me like and it's just like it really does just like blow open your awareness. And it's like, I was looking at the, just the rhythm of like spring coming hard into bloom in a different way. And like the sort of rhythms of my small town in a different way. I mean, I work in customer service and so you kind of see the ebbs and flows of like customer, um, you know, customers coming in at certain times of day certain days of week certain weeks of the month it's like third week is always like the worst because it's in between paydays and everybody's already spent the first check on bills you know kind of thing Mm -hmm. and um it's just i don't know it's just it's weird to to sort of um to because it's a it's a frame that like even if it's not like i don't need matthew's urban frame where i live but yet i can put on that same lens and look at my town and my countryside through this lens and like see it in a whole new way and it's amazing
1: well and there's also the moments where he is in the country and he can feel his magic shifting like he knows like mm-hmm. if i stay here if i stay here long enough i will adapt I will become yeah. an you know an a rural a rural sorcerer. So you know mm-hmm. that it's not just about it's not like he has an affinity for neon or for for right. you know electricity. Well, because, because, it's just like that's where he is.
0: Yeah. That's where he is. And what what he says like over and over again is like that sorcery is just a perspective. Like it's just a point of view you know that basically like Mm -hmm. when you start to see the world through that lens you can't unsee it and you might like get really familiar with one environment and then um you know have to change and learn a new one but um it's basically once you have that perspective you can't take it off you can't change it um and i don't know that's I, I liked that a lot because it. Yeah, I think it that's reminds like me of education a, of any
1: kind. Like it's like well, pl- I you mean, you open that door.
0: Yeah, like there's a Plato quote about it. Like a man's mind, once stretched to accommodate a new idea, can never go back to its old dimensions. <laughs> <You know? laughs> like once, like mm-hmm. once you what's what has been learned cannot be unlearned, kind of a thing. Yeah.
1: No. Yeah, I get that.
0: It's. It's like a, uh, I don't know,
1: It's just, she had a brilliant, a brilliant idea, and I can't imagine it being done by anyone better, like, than, oh, than no. she does it, and, and, you know, it is, it, it, you know, it is difficult to get into, um, it does take a long time to read, I'm a very, very fast reader, and it took me a month to get through this book, and I read it, you know, I read like a little bit at a time. Never more than really thirty minutes um mm-hmm. I read it on the train. I read a lot of it on the train, which I think helped me kind of immerse myself in that world uh and and just kind of in the underground of the of New York City you know I was reading the mm-hmm. story they I, and like that that was just it was beautiful and it just meshed and it made everything seem like poetic and and faded in a weird way, because even though what's happening isn't, isn't high fantasy, you know, he's just like in there dealing with muck and garbage and, and like, Hey, you're a bad man. I'm going to hurt you. You know, like he, mm-hmm. it's not, it's not a, it's not like a life or death. I mean, it's life or death for him, but it's not life or death for the world.
0: Mm-hmm. Although I don't know. It, it gets implied a little bit that maybe, you know, maybe it is for the good of the world that um, that back, Backer is, uh, I guess, the name of the man that he's trying to get revenge on, um, and that like Backer also comes attached with his own entity because basically he had like a a stroke and then a mental schism where like his shadow um, detached itself from him and began like basically wreaking his subconscious malevolent desires on the world. So like conscious backer has no idea that this is happening or he won't let himself understand that this is happening while this like shadow that wears his face is killing people. And that this company that he has started is basically eating other companies and like amassing like all this power in the magical and occult world by basically by saying like, join us or die. And um, You know, so there, it's it's arguable whether, like, it was also kind of the save the world thing, but, you know, it, it's also all a perspective. Who are these concerned citizens that hate the Tower so much? Like, basically, Matthew has been dead for two years and has given this file of information to basically believe or not believe um, about what these companies are and what they're doing. And, I mean, it's kind of implied that it's genuine, but it's never really, like, verified outside you know, the people who gave him that information. Right. And, and he, it seems
1: personal, but it's also not personal, but then it gets really personal and, Mm -hmm. and backer maintains this distance of, and this ignorance till the very, almost the very end. And Mm -hmm. it, it tricked me. I was like, I don't know, maybe he's just an old man. Maybe you need to help him. I don't know if it's really him. Uh, I don't know. But like, yeah, like Swift really. Yeah. And Swift is just like, (laughs) nope. Nope, you're a bad man. I've seen your
0: face, like, yeah, and everyone. Your face around was the last thing is, I saw before I died. Exactly, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> and everyone around him is
1: like, I don't know. Are you sure? I don't know. I don't know. But he has the conviction. You know, he's got mm-hmm. that hero's conviction, and you just kind of have to trust him that he knows what he's doing. Uh, mm-hmm. It's, I don't know. It's it's very interesting. It's a very interesting book. I think I I also wish that I knew more about um, English culture.
0: Cause I don't, I mean like, I know that there's
1: like North, I know there's like North of London and I know that there's not. And I know there's people that live in like Bath and stuff. And like, I, I mean, I Mm -hmm. understand that like there's different regions of, of, of England in the same way that there's different regions of any place, but I don't know enough. And I feel like if I, if I knew all of that, it would mean so much more. Um, Mm -hmm. I kept thinking, and this is really sad, but I kept thinking of these like reality shows I was watching, um, early on when I started reading the book where it was just like random, like reality shows where people were looking for houses to rent and Mm -hmm. it, but it was in different, it was in different places in England. So it was like, it gave me perspective on how people sounded and what places looked like and what houses looked like and what people were like in these different regions. Um, but that Mm -hmm. was like the kind of only reference I had. So yeah that was the only that was the only part where I felt lost. I was like, "Oh, you know, if these were Americans, i think i would I would understand a little bit more the difference, the visceral feeling that she's trying to evoke with accents and 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 location, mm-hmm.
0: yeah, I mean a, again, a very simple like one paragraph. um I arrived early in the maze of tunnels underneath the roundabouts, one way systems and sprawling circular roads on the edge of Aldgate, where the city. Becomes simply the city. And the signs point to the north as well as to Bow and Whitechapel. In London, places beyond its boundaries are always called the North or the West. Too big, too vague, and too not London to merit any more detailed descriptions. And like there's there's a lot of a lot of paragraphs um and places in the book where it talks about, you know, this place is kind of between these two places and it's never referenced except as like east of somewhere or west of somewhere else it's not it's like it's almost like it's not its own place you know it always has mm-hmm. to be in conjunction with something and you know things like that and um i mean the best analogy i could come up with actually was new york I, I i've never lived in new york but i did spend um the one time i've spent time there basically i uh was like a week and we spent a day in each borough and you know they all had their own different flavors and their own different Mm -hmm. feeling and even sometimes getting off like you know three subway stops later like in the same borough it's again completely different new orleans is the same way it's a city built of neighborhoods and like the you know it has ninth ward and you know seventh ward and third ward the wards of that city feel different like the different neighborhoods truly feel different and they might all have some of the same like rhythm and some of the same sense of new orleans but yet they're also their own distinct places um and so I mean, I think any, like, kind of, um, especially old uh, city Mm -hmm. that you know intimately, you're going to be able to, like, make these distinctions with. And actually, this is, I'm having a a memory flash here. Actually, uh, one of the things I used to do with with Boomtron that I really enjoyed was getting to interview authors. And I got, I, you know, asked Kate for an interview. And I was just, you know, via email. So I sent her my questions and probably, like, a round of follow-ups. But one thing I remember she said that always struck me was that when she was a kid, maybe a teenager more than a kid, um, she would take a different route home from school every day on the public transport. And so she would sometimes just end up going, like, all the way around the city before she got home just to see, like, different parts of it. And, like, just the fact that she's kind of... You know, that she explored the whole city and that she has, like, familiarity with so many different areas of it. Like, like you can see, like, she probably just, you know, would take a day. I'm just going to go sit in a park over here and just, like, write what I see. And just, like, these detailed, vivid, sensory, like, immersions of, like, what is around and in that place. And what makes it that place and what makes it different than the other places, you know, from the rest of the city. It's, it's just, it's so rich.
1: Mm-hmm. No, I yeah, I totally get that because there were moments where I felt even as the reader, I was like, "Okay, I get it. You don't have to spend so much time here, but then she would explore <laughs> it she would explore it more, and she would tear it apart until you were like in it, and it became mm-hmm. something else. Like she mm-hmm. really, she really requires the trust of the reader that it's like, I'm not just like bullshitting you. I'm, I have yeah. a purpose to every, every word that I'm writing. hmm
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, um, I, I, I definitely want to talk a little bit more about the actual like practical application of magic. Um hmm before we kind of flip tracks to that, is there anything else that you wanted to say specifically about like any of the characters or relationships um, or the settings?
1: So, so i i do wanna I do wanna kind of just point out that she has lots of female characters, not all, and like they're not necessarily there as like sexual or romantic interests for the main character, which I or appreciate. sidekicks or sidekicks. They had their own thing. They're just characters in the world that may or may not align with his, Mm -hmm. Um, which I appreciated. I really liked that. Um, I liked how some of the people were people that you encounter at work or people that you encounter in real life, you know, like, Mm -hmm not they weren't just like weird fantasy characters that she just cast in an urban setting like these were real people that exist and then she created a fantasy story around them
0: yes yeah um that's a that's a very good summation like i feel i feel bad that like i don't specifically want to talk about like any of the other characters and it's not that they're it's not that they don't have personalities and it's not that they're not important but like at the same time the the overall story is just so focused on like matthew and his his quest to destroy you know backer and his shadow that like the other people involved almost become irrelevant in a way and i mean it's actually something there's a discussion of this about sorcerers basically like you know the the phrase necessary things being like kind of the phrase of sorcerers and like they're all willing to accept collateral damage in order to achieve their goal and like you like you clearly see this moment of like discomfort you know on behalf like matthew and the angels part where they're like well i mean We don't want to admit that that's true, but, like, this thing is so important, and it kind of doesn't matter. Damn it. They're not wrong to say that about me. I'm just like the other sorcerers.
1: Yeah, he's like, well, yeah, I guess I am. I guess that's how it's going to (laughs) be. But he's, you know, he's got shit to do, so Mm -hmm. it, it seems like sorcerers may or may not be the more powerful of the types of magic users in this world. And that there may or may not be less of them than other types. And therefore, you know, when shit gets really real, they're the ones at the center of the activity. And so they may Mm -hmm. have garnered a reputation that is a little skewed. That's kind of how I interpreted it.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, I think, um, I I mean, just looking at it from the outside, most of the other characters either follow a fairly formal tradition um, in, in terms of like magic working or they don't have a lot that they can do and you know the thing about sorcerers is um, that they they are able to kind of tap into this almost limitless like power you know generated by different parts of a city and um, different aspects of humanity actually there, there's a, a passage that I want to read that talks about that so um how let's see if I can find it cuz I know I marked it here it is um every place has its own unique magic the underground's magic is defined by the rhythms that go through it it's like a heartbeat a pulse The flow of life like blood through its veins, describing in every detail the shape of power in its tunnels. When you go into the underground, you buy a ticket, you pass through the barrier, you enter its tunnels, you take the train, you use your ticket, you exit through the barrier. This is part of what defines it. This is part of what makes the taste of its magic different, heavy, crowded, full of dirt and noise and life and strength. If you know that the magic is there, if you understand the rhythms that shaped it, it is a very simple matter to harness it to an appropriate spell that utilizes to the full its unique signature. And like when you think about like the fact that sorcerers are apparently like the people who can do this for like whatever place that they're in, they're the ones that can sort of grasp what its natural power is and then use it. Whereas other people are tied to like the... Limits of the you know. They need or, training. It's like know, oh, I you need right. to
1: teach me how to do this. Whereas like sorcerers just kind of do it, and they, they need just training do it. They pick it control up. Control it. Yeah.
0: Yeah, they need training to control it and not lose themselves in it and go mad or worse. Like basically, literally become like subsumed in it and physically disintegrate well like um, there's this
1: really great scene where so like you know swift is kind of up against his mentor but he has his own apprentice and that apprentice has been um taken o- like his mentor has taken over his apprentice very star wars and he gets <laughs> her back he gets her back and there's like this moment where they're fighting and they both use the magic in different different ways mm-hmm. but like the same right like she does yes. this thing with water where she's like creating all this water and she's like she's she's turning on all the taps in this bathroom that they're in and she's using the water to defend herself. Whereas He's like, well, I don't do the water thing, but I do the electricity thing. And he's pulling all the electricity from the area. And so it's like you can see that it's mm-hmm. personalized. Right. It's like they're all like in the same genre, but they have their own flavor. Uh, and you see them both kind of like pulling, pulling, pulling this, this, this this magic towards themselves so that they can defend themselves and attack, uh, but in different ways. So it's like, okay, yeah, Mm -hmm. I know that, I know that you guys are individuals and that, you know, just because you're taught by one person doesn't mean you have the same, same style. Um, yeah. So I, I really appreciated that scene as well.
0: It's, it's always interesting. Like as you go through the book, you also see, um, like, Matthew uses his magic in different ways, and like he's the, he's the primary magic handler that you see. But some of it is like very ritualistic and formulaic, and then some of it is very just like kind of intuitive, grabbing anything that he can to hand. But um, one of, one of my absolute favorite scenes, and this is like across, like I, I think I think there's a, another scene in one of the later books where he does a similar thing with like a traffic light, um, but. It's, um, he's, he's using his, uh, his oyster card, which would be like his subway pass and it basically using it to stop a monster. And he, um, he's like, I held, I held up my oyster card, like a policeman's badge in front of me pointed, pointed directly towards him and said, these are the terms and conditions of carriage. If you do not have an oyster card with a valid season ticket and or balance to pay as you go on it, you must have with you a valid printed ticket Available for the whole of the journey you are making. You may use your printed ticket in accordance with these conditions. And, like, literally goes on to read the entire, like, (laughs) boring-ass terms and conditions of, like, using an Oyster card or a printed ticket on the subway and this violates it and this doesn't. Um, but at the end, you know, I kept speaking, lost now in the spell, thrilled with it, and as I did, the air around the barrier thickened. This is the turn, the turnstile, turnstile where you would, like, use your ticket to go into the subway entrance, growing firmer with every word until the shadow and the creature on the other side of the barrier was distorted by the sheer density of magic between us. I yelled, reveling in the feel of it, you must only buy printed tickets from official ticket outlets if you buy a printed ticket from anyone else. It is illegal and may result in the ticket being withdrawn and the seller, you, being prosecuted. Uh, the single fare that you must pay at London Underground stations or for journeys on London Underground and for journeys to places served by other operators is the fare from the station where your journey begins to the station tram Link stop where your journey finishes. And you just like to feel this like tension just building and building. to this like... <gasps> complete like anti-climax of like the terms and conditions have been read yeah but like it stops the monster he can't get across the barrier yeah enough people do that every
1: yeah and every people and people do that every single day and that's yeah those are the rules of that
0: space you can't break it yeah and so it's just like so that that's one of like the absolute like most formal kind of spells that he does and that's like not even a spell hardly it's just like these are the the rules of this place and if you break them or if you try like you cannot break them like literally that's the thing that's the magic of this place you can't break them i have a valid ticket and you don't neener 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 like (laughs) fuck off like it's so awesome
1: (sighs) yeah i i like uh, yeah the magic is like intuitive and strange and you know, you're looking for the... And there are boundaries, and she establishes the boundaries, but, like, there's a new spell all the time or a new way for him mm-hmm. to manipulate those boundaries. And he's the blue electric angel, so he gets to break a few rules, too.
0: Yes. Yeah. Um. I don't know, Dana, did, uh, did you have any particular, like, favorite um, spells or standout magical moments other than the one where you kind of saw him and Dana both, like... Again, like doing their own separate thing in the I same way. I mean, I way. liked
1: when he called the train the first time. That you know, it was very like. I read that passage while I was in a in a train station, and it was weird because he's like he looked over and he saw like a sign that was like "Do not pass here." And I'm like, "You mean that sign right there that I'm looking at?" And it's like, "Oh," and and there was a rat. I'm like, "You mean that right that rat right there that I'm looking at?" So <laughs> it was like it was happening around me as I was reading it. So that was very fairly powerful. And then he got on the train and like went on this journey towards this the you know on this on this ghost train with these ghost um passengers and gave him his offer, you know gave them his offerings and it was very real as a person who rides the train every day
0: Mm -hmm. Um,
1: i really liked that scene yeah i'm
0: I'm trying to find that one for you because that one definitely like had some um okay so it's it it's talking about the uh the last train and, um, uh, when I reached the end of the platform, I pushed back the swinging danger, do not cross sign, duck past the array of mirrors to show the parked train driver, the platform's length and follow the narrowing dirty concrete slope of the platform down towards the ballast and the electric spice of the line. I could taste the thick smoky dirt of the tunnel on the end of my tongue, the dryness of it in the air. I could feel the buzz of thousands of volts in the track beside me feel the cold wind of the last train's passage still being pumped through the tunnel fading into the heavy heat of the motionless underground with my back pressed against the rough black wall bursting with coils of cabling that hummed even though they even through their once colored plastic sheets I, st- I slipped down onto the narrow remainder of the platform's edge into the darkness <clears throat> and uh let's see She's a uh, yeah. He hides, and then they come. Back they're, they're basically. Yeah. She's like, "What? What are we doing here exactly? Waiting for the guard to inspect the platform, and um, it's you know basically so that they can wait for the quote last train, which is another of the uh, um sort of entities. Uh, sorcerer. Her voice frightened the mouse. Obviously, they've seen a mouse hanging out on the platform. Um, Oda's face was. Ge- was a garish pinky orange in the light of the platform and her eyes were turned up towards an indicator board in large orange circles. It read circle line via King's X two minutes and nothing more. And so it's, it's the last train and he explains it's like the real last train, like the beggar King or the bag lady. It's, you know, an idea that becomes real and it's the train that doesn't ever stop traveling. It goes round and round the circle line forever. It's, the last train. I don't know. It's just mm-hmm. it's again just one of those um things that like I I mean, I remember being in college. I went to college in Austin and the U T campus there it would be like the last bus. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know but you would always have like you know maybe a couple different bus lines that would go to the same neighborhood um and there's always the one that leaves at like 12 you know 17 and it's the last bus that leaves campus and goes to that place and so at, you know twelve fifteen, you have like the the super hardcore nerds like running from the library so that they can catch that last bus and get home that night <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, that but, was uh, weird, just...
1: too, because that's, like, how I knew that the story wasn't set in New York, even though, like, half the time I convinced mm-hmm. myself it was. Because, like, in New York, the trains run 24 hours a day. That's, like, one of the proud proud aspects of our MTA system that barely works um, <laughs> is that it never stops working. <laughs> it never stops barely working. Um, so there is no last train. I mean, you, it, yeah. you know, it goes to less often in the middle of the night, but there is no last train. It's just always... Um, and I think that there's like magic in that as well, like there's magic in mm-hmm. the train at two in the morning that's still running, like nothing's wrong, like it's not two in the morning, it's just doing its thing mm-hmm. um but yeah, yeah, it's an interesting it's an interesting read as an urban dweller uh made me look at things definitely very
0: differently, yeah um, oh gosh i'm like i'm so I'm so like happy <laughs> that you that you that you reacted to this book the way the way that I did um it I don't know like it was really different reading it for me like not living in a city and um I don't know in like also just uh kind of looking at some of the places that I've been on like my personal you know journey the last couple years it just it's it struck me a little bit differently than a uh, than it in in some ways just because like it was more rich and there were things Mm -hmm. like the idea of like detaching your shadow and like splitting off that part of yourself okay well that's like a that's a pretty big like concept in psychology and um personal development that you have to like truly understand and like own your shadow you have to know like the dark places in yourself and integrate them and you know if you don't, like, there is kind of that almost um, psychological separation that Backer is living proof of with his, like, happy, you know, self and then the hunger self. And, you know, so, so some of the things like that, I was just like, well, huh, I definitely did not see that nine years ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, really the the main thing that just struck me reading it again the whole way through is just, like, how like magical this book is like, I don't know how long it took her to like build this world or if it was one of those things where she just like flipped her perspective. And one day it was just like all there, like glittering, like laid out in her mind. And she just had to like write it down and harvest it. Like, I don't know. And yeah, you know, it's just, it seems real. It's exactly like, I'm like, I don't know. Like this is like, maybe she knows something I don't like. I don't know. Maybe I need to change my my point of view here. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's and then that's and that is a powerful fucking book if it can literally like make you rethink what you consider to be the confines of reality.
1: Yeah, I agree.
0: Was there anything else that you um, would like to add or that you need to talk about to feel complete in a in our discussion of this? No,
1: I. I think I just wanna thank you for having me read this book. I mean I, I acknowledge that it was a difficult read and you warned me at that. Um it did take me a while to read it, but it's 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 a powerful read and it's a worthwhile read.
0: And I'm glad that I did. Well I'm um I'm glad that we read it too, because it was like this this is a book that I it, I consider it one of my favorite books but I literally this is the second time I've read it. Like every other time I've been back to this world has been one of the the sequels. I've never reread this first one. And because it is a difficult book, like it and, and her writing is wonderful, but it is dense and you like you do have to concentrate on it. It is hard. It, I actually find it difficult to read in like 30-minute chunks. For me, I need I need like at least a couple hours to be able to just like absorb myself into that world like like just fully put that frame onto my eyes and my mind and just go with it um and so like I was happy to have sort of a kick in the ass to reread it and actually like go back to it because like again I love it but it's hard and yet oh my god it's so worth it it's so good (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah
1: definitely high quality super high quality definitely recommendable yeah
0: yes well, awesome. Thank you for, uh, for, for reading it with me. And you know what? I'm like, I'm, I was trying to think, is there any like kind of cosplay opportunity here? But, like, I mean, I don't know, like the, the trench coat of anonymity, like you like, everyone's going to think we're fucking doctor who, you know, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah maybe like the bright blue eyes you know but then it's like i don't know are what what are you are are you dune in in a trench coat like (laughs) it just just doesn't translate (laughs) speaking of dune
1: oh just because i i was trying to think of like what a good book to react with this would be um i was thinking of like stories that are about the setting just as much as they're about the plot or even more so and the, and the only book i could think of was dune um okay how do you feel about reading dune
0: <laughs> dune, dune has been on my personal to read list for approximately 20 years and i've never <laughs> been able i've tried it like two different times and i've never been able to get past that hundred hundred page barrier so yep um yeah keep a like make me read it like literally that's one of the books we started this podcast for like make me read it well I think
1: I (laughs) I think in in, I think my reaction to your setting as a setting as character novel I'm going to respond with Dune because Arrakis is kind of like the the biggest character that I can think of um so
0: yeah Frank Herbert's Dune (laughs) okay awesome I I look forward to it and there's a glowing blue eyes connection so yeah exactly exactly (laughs) all right cool <laughs> awesome well you guys thank you for uh for listening to us and being patient with our erratic uh podcasting but you know we both have busy lives and we do a lot of other things uh as well so um thank you rachel for reading my book and for the good discussion and i cannot wait to uh talk about dune with you i know that's been on your bucket list for a while too <laughs> yeah yeah It's going
1: to be great. It's going to be fine. It's not going to be super intense. It's going to be fine.
0: (laughs) This is fine. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. Say the prayer. (laughs) All right. Awesome. All right. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Bye.